Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to help. And fair warning, our help comes with some strong language attached. Um, So, you know, like, get your kids out of here because we've got to say some things. As a reflex to the fucking madness on the news, we're keeping it positive, uplifting, but opinionated. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Antidote. We are so happy you're here. Hello. Uh, I'm happy to be here, but I'm also like a little like bummed. We record on Saturday mornings and like June gloom is in full effect. Yeah. (laughs) It's really, you know, you're used to the Los Angeles sun and, you know, just during May and June, uh, there's just always like fog in the morning. It's like really makes the city look gray. It's really odd. It usually burns off around lunch, but it does mean that Every morning. And for people who don't know, maybe people outside of California don't know that June gloom is like a thing in the LA area. And it's, it really just like wake up, you wake up and you feel like you're like sleepy and behind, which I always feel, but you feel it like even more during the month of June because the sky is so gray and you're just like, why is the sky reflecting my mood? Um, uh, that's funny. Uh, like sometimes I like it because, you know, I'm from the... You know, I'm from Michigan and I spent a long time in New York. And so Mm -hmm. you spend large stretches of the year when it's sort of foggy and cloudy and cool and stuff like that. So it kind of gives me a homey feeling sometimes. Oh. Um, Because sometimes I moved here for the weather. I know. And it's a big (laughs) selling point to me as well. It's just that every so often it can feel like Groundhog's Day in LA. It's like 75 to 80. Or, you know, 70 to 80, um, sunny, 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 or whatever, no rain. So sometimes when we get a little bit of variety, I kind of like it. Oh, okay. All right. I will not be joining you in that feeling. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, we can't have the antidote if we don't have something to get an antidote from. Starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. Um... Y'all, we've pulled through some darkness. Darkness is still happening in the world, but we wanted to have a lighter news week. Um, mm-hmm. Still heavy news. It's still bummers. It's a little lighter <laughs> than what we've been through in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. First up is that there is a nationwide lifeguard shortage. Has anyone else mm-hmm. heard about this? Basically, mm-hmm. the American Lifeguard Association says that there are between 40 to 50% fewer lifeguards at public pools and beaches across the country. And this could impact about a third or even half of the nation's mm-hmm. 300,000 pools. And it sounds kind of like, eh, who cares? Um, but the problem is, like, if the fewer lifeguards means fewer people getting saved, which means yeah. more drownings. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Um no. You know, uh, lifeguards are so essential. And I just remember that was like a sought after job, like when I was in high school. Yeah. <laughs> like you're I like, get to ooh. sit in the pool all day. 
yeah, I'll, I'll be a lifeguard or or I'll go work at the ice cream shop or whatever. It's just like, I wonder, I know this sounds very old. I was like, do teens, do teens do job like summer jobs? No. <laughs> I do wonder what are teen summer jobs? Because if it's not lifeguard, lifeguarding to me, it was like a coveted job. It's like, oh, you got a body. You get to sit by a pool and every now and then you get to be a hero. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like. And as someone who was saved by a lifeguard when I was 10, who almost fully drowned in a public pool, and then some strapping young man dove in and scooped me out, um, like, they feel pretty essential to me. (laughs) Yeah. My younger brother almost drowned when I was um, a kid. I remember that. Somebody must have saved him. I don't remember who, though. (laughs) But somebody (laughs) must have saved him because I'm just like, uh, he's uh, he's under there. And I remember yeah. some adult pulling him out of the water. So, yeah, it's very, you know, so <laughs> there would have been no Amy Anniobi and, and no my brother ah! uh, exactly. on the earth. I know. But apparently there's like a bit of a perception problem. It's so funny. The public often sees lifeguarding as a do-nothing job where someone just sits in a chair all day with a whistle. But I'm also like, yeah, it's do-nothing till it's do-something, you know? And I'm like, as a... As a youth, like, you're getting paid to sit by a pool. Why is that not cool? (laughs) Also, I'm just like, yeah, they have to do nothing so they're paying attention. Like, what, like, you have to, what do you want them to be doing? Like, yeah, they're not actually doing nothing. They're watching. They're watching. That's what they're doing. Yeah. So I'm just like, like, yeah, controller. Yeah, they gotta they gotta be on it, you know. In fact, it sounds like an inc- an incredibly hard job, especially the way our attention spans are set up right now. Like you, you, everybody's on mm-hmm. their phone, and maybe like, that's why there's a shortage. We no can't pay shortage. attention for more than a couple seconds. So someone actually just sitting there looking at the water, making sure everyone's safe. That sounds like tremendously hard. It makes me sad because I'm like, what is summer without swimming? Like. These little kids won't have anyone to watch them swim. So I'm worried about that. So if you have swimming skills, like maybe consider it, you know, summer's just starting off. June gloom is about to burn away. So like maybe consider it, become a lifeguard. Um, But that's not all that's up with the bummer news. There's also one more item that we'd like to discuss. And it also involves the summer because in the summer you eat strawberries and strawberries are potentially spreading hepatitis A. What? (laughs) Yeah, I know. The FDA is investigating 17 cases of Hep A in the U.S. There are 15 in California and one piece in Minnesota and another in North Dakota. 15 in California because California is like the strawberry capital. Um, At least a dozen people have been hospitalized. And the agency says the strawberries were purchased between March 5th and April 25th. But, you know, so you need to be careful when you're buying your strawberries. If you're looking for strawberries, maybe they've been What's it called? Redacted when they get <laughs> when Redacted? they get pulled off the no. Shelf. Recalled. No, it. Recalled. <laughs> yeah, maybe they've been recalled. <laughs> so you can't get your strawberries. But the thing that's I, I want to say the symptoms of hepatitis A, so that people can be like, "Oop, I got it." But symptoms can include yellow skin or eyes, an upset stomach, vomiting, stomach pain, fever, dark urine, ugh, or light colored stools, ugh, diarrhea, joint pain, and fatigue. So if you're feeling those things and you've recently eaten. A red little berry made of straw. You better get you to a hospital. Well, listen, first of all, I feel like just being the age I am, I I have about five of those symptoms right now. (laughs) I'm like, jaundice, check. I was was just like, uh, fatigue, check. Joint pain, check. (laughs) Diarrhea. Yeah, I'm nervous. Uh, 
Um, my stomach is always a little bit upset. So, uh, <laughs> but that's just uh, being older. I mean, this is sad. I just want to know. Like, it feels like, oh, this is something that can happen. But you look at a strawberry and you don't know whether it has it or not. Like, <laughs> you can't, like, yeah, you're like you look at the strawberry and tell. So no. it's going to probably affect people buying strawberries, which is such a delicious summer treat. Like, low in calories, low in sugar, but still tasty. Uh-huh. You know, full with antioxidants. You know, we don't want to stay away from strawberries, but... If there's just- and people people have been freezing them. So the other issue is that the FDA is saying lots of people freeze them to make smoothies later. So yeah. they could have bought infected strawberries and they in their freezer and they're like, I'll pull these out in July and boom, happy, <laughs> you know. But then, but then when you go to the grocery store now, like you can't tell, like that sort of thing, you can't tell because it's sort of like, oh, okay, those that was that batch of strawberries. But I bet the reason why they figured out that. The strawberries were tainted in the first place. A bunch of people had to get sick first. Mm-hmm. So. You're right. And once again, you know, what is summer without swimming and what is summer without strawberries? I know. Everything is coming to get us. Everything is coming to get us, man. Even the simple yeah. pleasures. <laughs> <laughs> so hearing all this, well, how do you feel, Grace? Oh, I, I feel like a, a, a June gloom <laughs> settling <laughs> into my soul. <laughs> how about you? Yeah, feeling a little low, feeling a little gray. (laughs) Okay, let's get into the antidote then. So this is the segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. What was your antidote this week, Grace? Um, So um, I have a good friend in uh, New York um, who uh, is taking a trip to Portugal, to Lisbon. And I decided to go um, and... You know, I've I've always waxed philosophical about Portugal to many of my yes. friends. I am a yes. Portugal evangelist, you know, um, outside of the Caribbean, <laughs> you know, incredible. where I'm from. Um, I really love the Caribbean a lot. Uh, as far as Europe goes, uh, Portugal is my favorite European country that I've been to. I feel like they really are very loving towards Americans and... As a black person, I don't feel the um, hot burning racism that I do yeah, in other places. Of racism. <laughs> I don't feel dipped in the cauldron of racism um, as much as uh, other places I've been. So um, I'm excited about that. Just thinking, you know, I'm really in the heat of a lot of work stuff right now. Um, you know, I have a lot of projects that are sort of all happening all at once. And, um, the current show that I'm working on, I get a one month break from um, July to August. But yeah, like uh, a large portion of my work life will be uh, free in July. So I'm so excited to go back to Portugal, a place that I really enjoy to go. You know, I was just like, well, if I'm going to be all the way over there, in Portugal, um, where I've been um, pr- more than any other country, frankly, uh, why don't I uh, go someplace I have never been? So um, I've been um, doing some research online about which countries are um, the most friendly to Black people. And I came across um, uh, people saying Belgium is friendly. I love Belgium. 
And uh, then I asked my friend, uh, Amy, who lived Me. in Paris uh, for a while, <laughs> like which places that she traveled to that she enjoyed. And she said she also liked Belgium. So yeah, um, looking forward to beginning to plan um, a trip to Belgium as well. Um, so uh, what was your antidote this week, uh, Amy? Well, I actually had a really great um, date with an old friend this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so my antidote this week is is kind of like making sure to take time to reconnect with old friends. Mm-hmm. Um, like Grace, I've also been really consumed with work this week. And it's all been stuff that I'm super passionate about, but just have not quite found uh, balance this week, mm-hmm. which I don't enjoy. I like to have balance. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at my calendar and I'm like, ooh, balance isn't coming for a while. But I have a friend who lives in Singapore. His name's Matt, one of my closest friends in the entire world. And he was in town this week and he kind of has a knack <laughs> unintentionally of coming mm-hmm. when I'm insanely busy. It's always like yeah. I'm in production and like in this week I was in pre-production and like it's always like the craziest times. And he's like, I'm here for three days. But, you know, best friend and also coming from so far away, I'm there are times where I'm like, I literally cannot see you. And this was a week where I was like, I have to figure out a way to see you because Mm -hmm. I know it'll make me feel better. And this will be like, I wasn't like being like, this will be my antidote, but I was like, seeing you always brings me joy because Mm -hmm. we've been friends for so long. And we always do something like, you know, we were roommates in our 20s. So we always do something that's like very 20s of us. So we went to a restaurant, like it's either like, oh, like pre-pandemic, it'd be like, oh, let's go out in WeHo. And it's like, I don't want to be in WeHo. I'm in, I'm almost 40. (laughs) So I'm just like, I'm like, I'm not trying to be in WeHo, but like for Matt, I'll do it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, oh, let's go like uh, to this crazy restaurant that we always wanted to go to and like order the shrimp tower that we never got to order when we were young. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't need all this shrimp, but for Matt, I'll do it. (laughs) And then uh, this was, we went back to a restaurant and I won't disparage the restaurant, but we went back to a restaurant that we used to like thirst after in our 20s that was like not expensive food. It was just like really good street food. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this is going to be so good. Mm, It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I like fully like did not feel great afterwards and like was a little ill for most of the next day. Like not, not in a bad way. It was just like bad. It wasn't the food was not made bad. I didn't get hepatitis A. It was just not <laughs> healthy food. And um, the next day I was like, oh, I feel gross. But I was like, yeah, but for Matt, I had to eat it. <laughs> well, your stomach has got bougie taste now. Your stomach is... <laughs> I know. I'm too fancy for this shit. Yeah, so. your stomach is just like, what is this shrill that you're putting in me? <laughs> yeah. I'm used to sushi from Blue Ribbon. lol um but yeah so matt and i might be having a bottomless mimosa brunch today because again hashtag live like we're 20 um and yeah i'm just like really i'm always really excited to see it's it's so interesting when certain friends re-enter um or like come back into your day at a new time you still kind of revert to how you were when you were younger in the good ways mm-hmm. like if it's back to the old ways like where you're gossipy and weird or whatever i don't like that but being to being able to be like it's a fun day and there's no plans and we're our plan is just to hang like i never get to do that now and getting to do that with um good friends like that is really healing. So that was my Aww, antidote this week. That's so sweet. Um, by the way, I, I too am going to a brunch with an old friend uh, from grad school, actually. <gasps> We're going to have mimosas in different parts of town. 
I'm going to call you drunk around 2 p.m. <laughs> hey. Uh, well, this was so much fun. I'm glad that both of our antidotes are about like spending time with familiar people and places, you know, yeah, like yeah. going to a place you love or start planning to go to a place you love and planning to spend time with a friend, um, with a familiar friend. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a connection. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. It's almost like we are really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like we like the same shit. Um, well, also, I mean, Grace and I have just shared our antidotes, but we also want to know what your antidotes are. Tell us your self-care stories. Head to our website, antidoteshow.org, scroll to the bottom, and press contact us. Send us a voice note or a video. We would love to see it, and we might just play it on a future episode. So that's it, guys. We'll be back with our guest interview after the break. Okay, welcome back to The Antidote. We have a special guest today. Who is it, Amy? Well, our guest today is a comedian, actor, podcaster, and overall motherfucking icon. He is the first Chinese-American cast member of Saturday Night Live and co-host of culture podcast Las Culturistas. Go subscribe. He next will be seen in Fire Island on Hulu, a buddy comedy written by and also starring comedian Joel Kim Booster, which is a modern take on Pride and Prejudice. He's also set to star in the much-anticipated A24 musical Fucking Identical Twins across from Megan Thee Stallion and her niece. Woo! Please welcome... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please welcome one of people's sexiest men alive, oh. Bowen Yang! Wow! <laughs> I just have to pull behind the curtain for the listener because Amy is telling me to look out for the word alive as my <laughs> intro and I was like oh, I wonder what I'm trying to like fill in the blanks of like what like I wonder what what sentence would trail would like lead into the word alive I didn't know you, you were gonna pull that on me oh yes oh yes well, wow. come on you should have known humbling, like humbling sexiest man alive will follow you for the rest of your career for well, the rest of I your mean, life Yes. No, but I just I just didn't realize that like I think this is the thing I have to look out for now, which I didn't uh, which I don't know how that makes me feel. Because <laughs> I mean, it should make you feel sexy. Yeah, but I, you know, you wake up every day and you do your best, and some days you feel it, and some days you don't. You guys, you guys know. Everyone knows. Well, let me just say today. <laughs> You are doing your best. Thank you. And your best is very, very high. <laughs> I'm just uh, saying. I can feel the sexiness I, through the same. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, right now, uh, Bowen is rocking some blonde up top. And I am living. Mm-hmm. I love it. It, it like looks really good on you. Thank like, you. what was the decision? Like, was was that conscious decision? Like, did you think about it? Do you normally color your hair? or Because it feels I, like you don't on SNL. Or right. do you wear a and lot of wigs? Yeah. It's it's wigs, <laughs> but like, you know, uh, I bleached it like five years ago. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. It was like this like deep blue that washed out into like a gunmetal, like a silver, like a dark silver, mm-hmm. dark metallic. Yeah. I really liked mm-hmm. it. And then and then once I started to like try and like consciously make the decision to like try and audition for stuff and book things. I was like, I guess I should mm-hmm. keep it black just to just to leave things open-ended. Mm-hmm. And then I kind yeah. of got too scared to do it in the future. And then something like there was just something about January 2022 where I was like, 
who knows how long I'm going to be on this. This earth. world will be here. Yeah, or, or this, or that this world will be here. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. That, you know, climate change is whatever. Real, you know? Climate change is real. So I was just like, let me just do it. And then it kind of also aligned with this fucking identical twins movie with Megan. Like I, yeah. I, I, I play, I play a role in it where it kind of maybe calls for a, a, a like a bleached blonde moment. And so Ooh. I did. I, I went ahead and did I'm it. so excited. <laughs> She's gonna. She's well, gonna be. She's gonna be amazing. Oh, she's gonna be amazing. You're gonna be amazing. Um, I'm fans of both of you guys, and I'm also really super looking forward for the same reason, right? Yes, yeah. your knees. <laughs> yes, Bowen's our, our knees. knees. Megan's Thank knees. You. Like <laughs> your twerk game, Bowen. I just want you to know your twerk game Thank is on you. the level. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. (laughs) Well, this show is called The Antidote, as you know. So we're looking for ways to just like calm down from the bullshit. So I want to know, what's your antidote, Bowen? Like what's something non-work related that's bringing you joy this week or this month? I really just love that question so much. And I took me a while to come up with the answer, but I think... I was talking to someone who shared with me like a SoundCloud mashup. Ooh. And then I realized that I have I've had like my SoundCloud algorithm has been like kind of sitting patiently for years now mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. sidelines. And like I went and go I went I went and peeked at mine at my account and like I've just been like given all of these great little remixes and mashups. So I think like I'm revisiting SoundCloud. Remember like what a Ooh, moment yeah. it was? And it still kind of yes. is. But like, yes. there's like, there's like the SoundCloud rapper. It's like, you know, there's like, mm-hmm. there's, a, a, mm-hmm. there's a, there's, there's a pocket for it in the culture that's very specific. But it feels like maybe too niche, and I feel like maybe it's like time for everybody to start to reawaken to like yeah. SoundCloud remixes or mashups. Ooh. There's this mashup of Anaconda by Nicki Minaj mashed yes. up with this Sophie song, Immaterial. And it's just like, oh, it fits perfectly. And then I ha- you, you get that, you get like, you know, um, a Charlie XCX thing, you get a Lady mm-hmm. Gaga thing, you get, and it really just runs the gamut. And then there's just like a whole like world to be explored on SoundCloud. So that's my antidote that's like bringing me joy because it's, it's been a week. And so I feel like that's yeah. like br- taking me there, you know? I'm so glad. I'm so glad it's taking you there. And I also really, really, really used to love mashups and I fell off from mashups and now I want to re-explore them. As a culture, I think we fell off, right? Yeah. Like, why did we quit mashing up songs? <laughs> it's the best. I have to say that, you know, I feel weird right now because I don't think I ever was into mashups. What? Like, You've ne- That's okay. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like in that particular generational pocket that not too late, did never not like too late. experience that. But like, what... What to you makes a good mashup? Like, is it, do you like real ratchet stuff? Are you more like into poppy stuff? Or do you like, like when two genres of music kind of kiss each other on the mouth? Mm. That's, I think it's all three, all of the above. Yeah. And especially that yeah. last one. So, so, so that example I just gave, which was Anaconda, which, you know, is like Nikki pink print mm-hmm. with Sophie, this like groundbreaking, like, Electro forward thinking pop artist, mm-hmm. um, like those you wouldn't put those things. The same kinds of people like both artists, yeah. But mm-hmm. to like put them in the same, to have them intersect in the same moment is so. It's like that's like heaven to me. I okay, Amy, do you relate to this? I feel like the mashup moment for me 
for yeah. for someone my age was Girl Talk. Did you listen to Girl Talk? 100% okay. was Girl Talk. I literally, yes. Did you ever go to Booty? Have you ever been to like a Booty party? Booty SF or no. Booty LA? Does this ring a bell? So it was a no. mashup party that used to happen in pop-up warehouses in San Francisco and Los Angeles. It's called Booty. I don't know why, but yeah. I used to go and it was like literally Girl Talk hit and it was like, oh guys, we mashing. <gasps> <laughs> we mashing up. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was so I much feel- fun. <laughs> This so much less cool heavenly. today. So much less cool today. So... Yeah, yeah. Just uh, I want to know what a booty party is. I want to be a mashup. It's not too late. I'm just jealous. You know it's what? The late. only mashups that I like can really think of right now is yeah. like, you know, in the Grammys when it was, it's like, oh, like um, <sighs> Janet Jackson is going to perform with Willie Nelson. Sure. Or like. Yeah, those those kind of live mashups that happen on the VMAs or the Grammys or whatever. Right. That's all I that's my relationship with mashups. So that might mean that I'm elderly. Uh, no. My for me, my favorite mashup is when you don't hear it coming and you're totally. like, What's it gonna be? And then suddenly uh-huh, you hear uh-huh. it's gonna be. and you're like, It's Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And yeah, maybe they'll come back. Maybe they'll come back. The pandemic ruined all fun. The pandemic <laughs> ruined all fun. I love that as an antidote. I'm like, I really am going to go deep on SoundCloud. Oh my God. Okay. Like, um, Bowen, I'm going to ask you uh, just just to send me a, a list, a, 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 yes. a playlist so I can be cool like you guys. Um, So I am so looking forward to Fire Island. Thanks. Um, so I was wondering, is rom-com... A, like a formative genre for you? Is it something that you've always enjoyed? And if so, um, what is your favorite rom-com and why? Oh my God. I think like what the heart, like a hard rom-com, like it's like a tie between 10 Things I Hate About You and like Clueless. Yes. yes. Very good picks. <laughs> and then like My Best Very Friend's Wedding picks. as like the ultimate uh-huh. like... I don't know, like the ultimate source. Like when I think of like the ones I love, I love everything from When Harry Met Sally to Love Jones. Yeah, uh-huh. Love Jones. Uh, formative. If you want to talk about formative, formative. Tate, wherever you are, you were formative for me. <laughs> and, hard, uh, hard T formative. Yes, formative. Formative for there you me. Go. There, there's just something really. I I I love a rom com that like leaves you feeling like you're ready to fall in love or that you're ready to like mm-hmm. be more in love with the person you're with, like whatever yeah. it is. Like, like it's hard for, um, it's hard for a movie to do that. Or it's hard for anything to do yeah. that. Um, but it's like yeah. this, the, the songs that do that, the movies that do that, the books that do that. Like, I think those are the things that like kind of hold a lot of power for me. I really like that. Especially the idea of, for me, I've, I, I tend to prefer the rom-coms where they already knew each other at the beginning as yeah. opposed to the ones where they meet in the movie and fall in love in the movie because I'm like, that's not real. But uh-huh, the ones like uh-huh. like Harry Met Sally where it spans yeah. all this time or the proposal yeah. where he was her assistant uh, or two weeks notice when she was his assistant. Right, I'm always right. like, they knew each other in uh-huh. a context that put a foundation of love. And it feels more real, I guess, to my Virgo brain. So I really love those types of rom-coms. Those are the ones yeah. I respond mean, to. If we're going to talk about the ingredient that I need for a rom-com, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it's a male lead that has fucking swag. That's why yeah. Love Jones is like the pinnacle for me. Because uh, Lil Lorenz, yes, uh, he has 
swag for years. I I really love it when like I really don't respond as well to like the nerdy Le- sure. male lead you know yeah. um i really like the one i mean this is probably why i'm i'm single and addicted to to- no. toxic masculinity but uh, <laughs> but i do love it when you know the men are just like uh, just swoon just like swaggy totally. i love that because it's hard to come across in real life. Yeah. And also, when that happens, you're getting digmatized. If you're getting swept <laughs> off your feet in real life, he's also going to sweep away your car and your credit. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, I mean, in real life, like, swag often equates to fuckboy energy. So I, I agree yes. with that. <laughs> so I saw on your Wikipedia page that you were born mm-hmm. in Australia. Yes. So we're we're how long were you there, and do you ever feel any sense of Australian identity, um, or do you feel like fully like American? I mean, I think when I was younger, like when I had like fewer years under my belt or whatever, like <laughs> it, like the the split between the the places I lived. I mean, I was only in Australia for six months after I was born. Oh, then, okay. So it's kind of yeah. like me because I'm, I'm yeah. an immigrant as well, but I'm, uh-huh. I was born in Guyana, but I only, I came over when I was 15 months, so I don't have any real So you like, yeah, but, it, but then, but like I did visit like five years ago and I was with my mm-hmm. parents and they were like, and my mom turns to me and said, like, look around, like you drank, like your, your first breaths were here. The, the first mm. sips of water you had were here. Oh. The first food you ate was from here. Like that, like, you know. The things that made your body like b- built you yeah. up are like from this place. Like there's some connection. And I was like, oh wow, that was like the first time I felt connected to. It. And so like I feel like you can you can say the same for Guyana, Grace. Mm-hmm. If you want. A thousand percent. Uh-huh. I do still feel like a connection to it on like a soul level, although yeah, um, not on a like memories level. You know. Yeah, it's, it's like the same for me. Like I feel more connected to like. China, maybe, which I never technically lived mm-hmm. in, but I visited mm-hmm. and like, but yeah, I mean, like now, like as time goes on, like anytime someone tells me I'm Australian, I'm like, oh, do I tell them? Eh, man, and that's probably not <laughs> worth mentioning because because <laughs> we have nowhere to go. Like I, like, I, like, I have no, like I have nothing to like point to. It'd be like, oh, I grew up with this and this and that. Like, yeah, I've barely eaten Vegemite my life. Like, yeah. none of that. <laughs> you, you've never said good day. You just never. I've never said good. Yeah. good day. Yeah, never done it. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my accent is when I try to do the accent, it's like it comes out bad. So I'm like, maybe this isn't. Maybe I can't identify with this too much. I mean, like so much of your personality and where you are now, like so. I mean, you live in New York now, so yeah. um, and you're there so much of the year, especially because of SNL. I'm curious if there's a best or worst date you've ever been on in New York? Oh my god. Or anywhere yeah. actually. Why am I limiting the city? Yeah, well, anywhere. the the worst date was did take place in New York. Six Australia old. at 6 months old <laughs> little, little baby date. <laughs> that sounds adorable. A play date that just went a left, play you know. Date that, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> wish I wish I could remember. Wish I could forget those. No, I um the, the worst date I've ever been on like hands down was in New York, but it was with this um, oh, a guy yes. who I had like met like the day after Hurricane Sandy, like oh no, <laughs> like, oh, maybe, like not a great we time survived an apocalypse. We sorry, we survived though? an apocalypse, but but that was the bad date. Like that was actually a solid first date where we just took a walk, okay. and mm-hmm. it was lovely. Um, mm-hmm. His name, his name was first and last with SSN, please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
it was oh gosh it's all coming back to me no it was his name was like his name was sean finally the second date and he basically wanted to take me to a horror movie no okay after I, I think I had mentioned to him that like I don't love horror as a genre, especially on a date. Like I don't know yeah. that that's like already you know, not paying know. attention to your needs. Okay, exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, already not paying attention to my needs. And then the movie was not good. I forget. I forget what movie it was, but it was just not a great movie. And then twenty mm. minutes in, he's just like, "We should go. We should go." I think he. I think he felt anxiety about like making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Like, sure, whatever. Makes sense, Sean. And then. Afterwards, he's like, sorry about that. I was like, no worries. And then he confessed to his name not being Sean. No. But being something else because he was just too afraid. He He's just like, he just had, I think he just had some hangups about online dating and oh just didn't God. want to reveal too much about like his, his, his real his identity. His oh name. No. And like, I, I get where he's coming from, but it did just like. Kill the mood on top of killing this the mood. This is the horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> peels off his face and he's like, peels I'm actually Ben. Face. Like, what the I fuck? Know, I know. I know. I, I forget what his real name was. I, I I think, like, I've just really, like, I haven't talked about this in a while, but that was, like, for sure the worst date. But, like, he, like it was in Union Square. Like, we didn't really have, oh, like, we no. didn't really know anywhere else to go. Like, even though, like, it was, like, a weeknight. Like, it was just a, a lot of things misaligned, I think. Yeah. Um, but that was that was it. I actually had a guy that I went out with. I was so excited about it. Like I was like, he's tall, he's like, he's like cute black guy. He says he's a psychologist, so I could get free therapy. Free. Yeah. And yeah. then <laughs> and then I met him in person <laughs> and he's just like, Okay, I got some things to tell you. And I'm like, uh, what are those things? And he's just like, Okay, so um I do live with my parents, so that part Ooh, about me okay. having my own place was not That's true. Okay. Some people are and I am not a psychologist. Ooh. I have started taking an online community no. co- college course in psychology. So oh. I was just like, um, I can see some name it and claim it. Like maybe he's just very ambitious and he's like, I know I'm going to get there. Yeah, so. but I'm just yeah. like, I, I'm going to need you to tell me where you at right now, boo boo. <laughs> <laughs> You know, That's, if I if yeah. I'm working with potential, like let me know I'm working potential. Don't be coming at me where I think I'm gonna yeah. get a glow up. <laughs> wow. I want to know if you're Barry or Barack, and that's fine. If you there Barry, you go. Exactly. If you Barry, but if you Sean, get out. You, of here. I can get you to Barack. No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Last question for you. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious what it's been like to work with your best friends. Like you have a uh, podcast with Matt Rogers, now this yeah. movie with Joel Kim Booster, and obviously Grace and I are besties and we work together. Yes. I want to hear how it's been. Is it complimentary skills? How does it feel? It's, I feel like I just, I really lucked out and I, I hope you guys mm. feel the same way. Like, and especially with me yeah. and Matt and in, in our podcast, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of, we, we kind of kept it loose. And I think that's the reason mm-hmm. why we've, done it for so long it's because yeah. we didn't like put too much structure on it we just kind of like yeah made a, a loose enough container so that any time we felt even if we didn't feel like a, like up to it up to like turning ourselves on and like you know shooting the yeah. breeze and like being on the pot like doing a podcast together it still felt like it was building towards something and like mm-hmm. you know I, I i really i i, I wouldn't have done it for so long if it wasn't for the fact that it was with people that I loved and 
the um, jo- I mean, the, the, the movie, the, the Fire Island movie, like, I really, I, if I think too, too, too much about it, I, I, I really start to get so emotional. Just it's, it's crazy. Like, um, I get to be in this movie with my best friends, two of my best friends, yeah. um, mm. about this experience that, like, Joel and I have had for many years. And it's being, like, kind of, you know, dramatized based on, like, a Jane Austen novel into this movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, the fact that, like, he... That are both that like so many stars had to align for us to both be at the place where we could, you know, make this do together, together, do it mm. together is is really special because it's like um it's like you're tand- you're on tandem bikes but the bikes are separated you know you're on like two unicycles yeah. and you're you're trying to like make it seem like it's a tandem bicycle right as you mm-hmm. shoot it so like <laughs> that's that's kind of the joy of it is that like you know two people who might be on this on different tracks like whenever you can find the the chances to like meet meet in the same meet on the same trajectories like that's really special and like being like a self-made person i think in any industry is kind of a myth like i don't i don't know that right. it's totally true i think i think you i think you I need other people to like really be part of your support system. And I I feel like I'm very outwardly publicly about that. I'm like, I don't do, I don't really do things alone. I do. I love doing things with other people. I like having fun collaborators and like, that's how I've gotten this far. So that's what I love that. And I'm definitely one of your readers, by the way. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Thanks, And um, yeah, thank you so much for saying that. I mean, we, me and Amy have had so much fun so far and you know we hope to someday be as successful as last culture it's just about you know continuing to do it i think you guys should just like really just do it for for as long as you both want you know mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's because it, because for a second i was getting a little tired i was there's one particular time last year where i was feeling really burnt out and i was telling matt like our contract was about to renew and i was like i don't know like maybe we maybe we just put a cap mm. on it like we just do one or two more years and he was like well it doesn't feel like work to me because it's we're, we're hanging out like it's like you're my friend yeah. like you know it's it's it shouldn't feel like too draining i'm sorry and if it is then like let me know and 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 we'll we'll we'll, we'll work through it but where i'm coming from is that it's not it, it shouldn't feel like it's work and so I feel like yeah. I feel like that's something that you guys can definitely, definitely, definitely just like take all the way. Wow, I feel so much better now that we've talked <gasps> to you. This has oh, been so yes, wonderful. She's <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. You know, Thanks the world is me. still uh, a dumpster fire, but uh, it feels a little <laughs> bit better after talking to you. Same. I can I can say the same. So, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, um, I think I'm just on Instagram at the moment. It's um, at Faye Dunaway. Love it. (laughs) Love it. Icon meet icon. (laughs) There you go. Yes. Thank you so much, Bowen. Thanks, Yes, thank you for being here, Bowen. Okay, to close us out, we're doing our creative tap-in, which is our segment about creativity. Amy, are you ready for this week's quote? Yeah, girl, let's go. Okay. Vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. And that is by Brene Brown. <laughs> of course it is. I'll say, say it one more time. Yeah. Vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. Brene Brown. Brene Brown. I love her. I love her. I've read 
four of her, I think four or five of her books now. Um, she it's like primarily studies shame, which is like a dark topic. Like, no, who wants to talk about their shame? Um, but it it goes deeper than that. It's not just like what makes you embarrassed or what are the things that have happened to you that um, make you uh, feel shame. But it's about how to cultivate play and how to tap back into who you are and how to open up and be creatively open and thus like open in all ways, like professionally, romantically, familially open. Um, and this quote is beautiful uh, because I think vulnerability is something that's really hard for adults mm -hmm. to practice. Like as children, we're vulnerable all the time. We're like, I got to poop, mommy. It's like, <laughs> I stubbed my toe, I'm crying. It's like, I'm so hungry. You like, don't wait to throw up. You throw up through your fingers and you're just like, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. And I'm like, adults, we have, we don't have vulnerability. We don't say what's mm. on our mind. We're worried about how we're going to be perceived, how people will think about us. And um, mm. this quote to me is just true. Like, I think yeah. vulnerability is where creativity comes from, where change comes from. Um, I don't remember the other words, but um, all the things she listed. Innovation they, they, was the other Innovation. Thing. It comes from being vulnerable enough to fail. Vulnerable enough mm -hmm. to say your first thought. Like I love in the writer's room when we're like bad pitch and we say something mm -hmm. or it's like, it's not this, but something like this. Or it's like we're saying, we're putting a blanket on before we say our off the cuff thought. But having that vulnerability to say something will ping pong off of somebody else's idea and become something great. Uh, and that's where innovation happens. That's where creativity happens. So Queen Brene Brown, you write. What does it make you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is right. Uh, she is um, yeah, a, a uh, gift to this world. Um, mm -hmm. What it made me think is there was a time that I was writing from my head and not my heart. Mm. So, what? That's and so I had to learn how to be vulnerable in my work um, for it to truly number one, be satisfying to me. And I think my work got better once I was able to tap into that vulnerability. So, you know, when you're first writing, like it's normal for everyone to sort of imitate what they've already seen. So, yeah. you know, you might have somebody you stand, you might like be a big, like I was a huge Charlie Kaufman fan. Um, ah, me when too. I first started we never writing, talked about this. You know? okay, yes, we a big, big, big Charlie <laughs> Kaufman fan. Eternal yeah. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, of being course. John Malkovich. Adaptation, like, being John like, Malkovich. I built a tiny floor where ye and your accursed kind can live. <laughs> exactly. Being John so Malkovich is so funny. I love to be so, you know, and then also, you know, I I started off as an assistant. I worked at uh, mm -hmm. Inciting Me Schumer. I worked at Broad City. Um, wonderful shows, um, all of them. But, you know, so what I was doing when I was first starting writing, I was like, oh, these people are successful. I love their work. So let me see, like, what I can do to, like, make it like theirs or whatever, which was a Make your uh, work big like mistake. theirs. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like trying to like the first screenplay I wrote. I remember I mm -hmm. was trying to do a Charlie Kaufman-esque thing. Then when I got to screenwriting class or whatever, hi, Andy Beenan, thank you for this thing that you told me um, back in the day. Um, Andy Beenan was my um, screenwriting professor. But uh, I everybody was laughing really loud at my script. And I was just like, I failed. 
I am supposed to be Charlie Kaufman. It's supposed to be deep. It's supposed to be witty. It's not supposed to be funny. So I was like mad, especially at that point. I had not come to terms with the fact that I was a comedy writer yet. Uh, I wanted to be like a dramedy writer, kind of. And so when I spoke to Andy about this, he was just like, let your writing be what it is. Let it come out of you um, instead of trying to make it something it's not. But it took me Mm -hmm. a long time to realize that. It took me a long time to put parts of myself that I am afraid of, parts of myself that I am ashamed of, parts of myself that I um, am still working through and questioning in my characters as a writer. Like, I'm about to turn in a pilot pretty soon, and it is the most vulnerable, it is the most me I have ever put in anything. And it feels so good. Who knows if it's good or not? I mean, but it feels good to me. So I think that you kind of have to start from that place because that is the only way that you're able to access your authentic voice is to be vulnerable and allow yourself to put yourself in your work in a and show up in a way that uh could be like oh my god sometimes I'm like oh will people read this pilot and know that this is how I feel and I was like yeah girl you wrote it so they will know so uh but I can now I've gotten to the point where I can be vulnerable enough where I'd be like I don't care like this is what makes this me this is what makes this a Grace Edwards joint you know versus Imitating a Grace Edwards joint, a Grace Edwards joint instead of imitating people that I admire and whose work is is still um, formative to me in many ways, but um, I I can I can make it me now, Um, and I'm at the point in my career now when where me is going to be put out into the marketplace pretty soon with. you know, my project Jody that should be coming out next year. Um, and with this, hopefully this pilot. Um, and as a result, I'm so just like, I got to get podcast? ready. Yeah, this podcast we're putting out here. <laughs> yeah, this is us putting ourselves out in the world. And it feels vulnerable, but it also feels amazing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what this quote means to me. It's just have the courage to have the vulnerability to put yourself in the work that you're putting out there in the world. Um Good or bad, you have to sort of do it. Otherwise, it is not your voice. It's someone else's speaking through your mouth. Love that. Okay, thanks for listening to The Antidote. We hope this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? Mm, I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracie Act, that's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi, that's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe and rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. And go hang out with one of your best friends. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. It's produced by Jenna Hanchard, and our associate producer is Taylor Polidor. Our executive producer is Erica Krauss, and our editor is Erica Janik. Sound mixing by Derek Ramirez. 
Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marion Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio Executives in Charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffer, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. Ciao, baby!